This is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast. The Modern Architect features one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. Our show informs and illuminates the transformation that architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. And now, introducing the host of The Modern Architect, Tom Dioro. Today, we're, uh, we're excited and honored to be joined by Tom Kundig, principal, owner, architect, at, uh, and fellow architect at uh, Olsen Kundig. The uh, architecture and design firm is led by uh, 14, I'm reading this directly from the site, 14 principal and, uh, owners who are supported by a team of over 250 in both Seattle and New York. They're an in-house interior studio founded in 2000, and the master planning and landscape design studio are integral parts of the firm's practice, resulting in designs that foster a cohesive experience for the entire built environment. You can find out more on the web at olsenkundig.com. Again, that's Olsen, K-U-N-D-I-G, kundig.com. Today's episode is made possible by Swatchbox, the leading sample platform for architects and designers. Swatchbox brings thousands of product samples from the world's leading manufacturers into one platform. Browse materials for inspiration, create custom collections, then request your samples for free with automatic next day or second day shipping. Get started at Swatchbox.com. Again, Tom, thank you for being here. We're happy uh, and thrilled to have you on Modern Architect. Today. Thank you. Thrilled also. And Tom, as we talked about just before we came on the show, is a, a, a quote you know that really means something to you. And, and share share what we uh, you shared uh, before we got on the show. I love it. Well, there's there are so many quotes, but one that's meaningful to me because it actually bridges my uh, sort of adventure years in the mountains skiing and climbing, but also um, a sense of the adventure and some of the architecture I've been involved in. And that quote is, and we don't know who to attribute it to. We don't know who the, uh, the original voice was, but the quote is, only common things happen when common sense prevails. Wow. And why does that matter so much to you? Well, you know, we used it um, because there was always... Um, for me, it's always been important as a kid and, and as a young adult and an adult that um, life is an adventure and you're taking risks. And I think um, in virtually everybody's life, I think when they have taken those risks, that's when the real um, impactful moments happen in their lives. It certainly happened in, in my life, uh, in the mountains in particular, in the high desert, but also in, in, in architecture and other, other facets of my life. It's, it's, and I don't mean to suggest that it has to be physical risk. It's just um, risk is, I think, important. It's an interesting discussion, frankly, a subject, but um, has been really important in, uh, uh, in my life. You know, there's another terrific quote that I've seen in, uh, on your website, and uh, I'll, I'll remind our audience, feel free to visit uh, the, Tom on uh, his website at olsenkundig.com. And the, the quote is, I'm searching for it as we speak, is uh, architecture is evolutionary, mm-hmm. not revolutionary. Right. Can you share that as well? Well, that one is an important one. That was one that I, has, has sort of developed in my own way of thinking, um, there's uh, architecture is um, architecture is built 
typically for 100, 200, 300 years. It's something that slowly emerges as it's being built, as it's being conceived, but it also is in existence for um, many years just on the ground. Um, and I think what's be what has become important to me is that there is so much historical information that goes into the architecture that we do now as modernists, that we have to acknowledge that history, that context of history. And what that means is it's not like turning the history, overturning the history, if that makes sense. It's not a revolution. I think it's evolutionary. I think that's more, that's a richer architectural experience because there's so much history to, um, to feed on and to um, evolve uh, from and into. And I think revolutionary architecture, I don't even actually know what that is, Tom, but um, I do know what evolutionary architecture is, and I think every impactful piece of architecture I've visited and experienced, I would say, has been um, deeply embedded in history, and it's an evolution of that history, if that makes sense. Yes. Your book, share your book that uh, uh, we touched on just at the beginning of the show. Love to hear more about it. I'm sure your audience will as well. Uh, the oh, Which book? <laughs> there's, there's, That's outstanding. There is even more. Yeah, there's four Please. of them. And um, I'm beginning to work on, on the fifth book. It's probably... Um, you know, I'm, I'm towards the last quarter of my career, so it's probably going to be a somewhat of a summation of, of, uh, and a retrospective, maybe. And we not we're not sure. We're just shaping it right now, um, but certainly more recent work. Um, but again, it's back to that evolutionary quote. Um, it will be, um, I think, uh, addressing a career uh, with colleagues and clients and craftspeople. Um, and and just express and and uh, some are articulating that adventure, uh, that story, uh, because it's not my, just my story. It's it's a community story, and I th think that's what makes the architecture richer. So, um, in the fifth book we're working on just initially right now, but right now I have four books out that are still being published by Princeton Press. If we go back a bit to even your first book, what was your inspiration and, and the drive for just your, your initial book? And how, how did you feel about um, producing it? Well, that actually it? is a very interesting question, Tom, because um, I, you know, if, I, if I look at my career, my career is as a practitioner, not really an academic. I, I really, you know, a, a lot of my colleagues will, will straddle between the academic world like at Stanford, as an example, teach architecture, architecture students um, for, their, for their career. Um, I certainly came from an academic background as a student, but once I left that academic background, um, I really became uh, more uh, immersed in uh, the world of practice, the world of being a practitioner. Now, I have been invited a few times to teach in uh, different universities around the country, um, and uh, internationally. But the book, to, your, to answer your question, the books become important because in a way, that's my um, way of teaching, if this makes sense, Tom. Um, 
that allows me to still practice but still have an outreach to um, future architects and, and students of architecture. That future of architecture, obviously I'm, I'm sure it's important to you, but personally, what does it mean for you to reach out to future generations within architecture? Well, I, it's, it's architecture... It, Maybe some of the audience doesn't know, but I, my dad was an architect, so I actually come from there's a, sort of a legacy of architecture in in my life. But actually, when I left home, the last thing in the world I wanted to be was an architect, um, and it had a lot to do with you know just growing up in the world of architecture and, and having some uh, I don't know if it's resentment <laughs> that would be an overstatement, but just looking for something different. Well, I've come back um, at some point during my academic years. I came back to architecture. And I came back and I realized there isn't, for me personally, and, and hopefully others, there isn't a more impactful, interesting uh, profession um, than architecture. I mean, maybe there are more, but honestly, if you're really looking for that sense of cultural, uh, physical uh, adventure, um, I can't imagine a better profession in architecture. So if there's a way to articulate that and engender some sort of enthusiasm for future architects, because again, being an architect is one thing, but being trained as an architect is a whole different world because the training of an architect is actually can lead you to just almost virtually any sort of uh, professional endeavor you, you can imagine. It's terrific training. So I hope that becomes uh, a blueprint in a way, uh, a pattern for 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 the future of architecture. Um, it's 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 unlimited. It's and it's a it's a it's an ideal basis um, for any professional route you might want to take. Excellent. This is the Modern Architect podcast. We're talking today with Tom Kundig, principal, owner, architect at Olson Kundig. For more information, feel free to visit their website at olsenkundig.com. Again, that's olsenkundig.com. On that uh, segue to that topic of, of being a terrific discipline and a profession, I've held a firm belief, and I have, uh, I've stated uh, a number of times, even in civic <laughs> meetings with mayors, that I believe that an architect ought to be a requirement for just about every city. I don't know how you can enforce that or legislate <laughs> it, but that every city, community, maybe county or even state ought to have an architect who oversees the entire built environment, maybe one or two of them, just to make it equitable. But what's your thought on that? That's my opinion, so I'll state it on the show. I've, <laughs> they know that's what I, where I stand, and I, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Well, I think it would be ideal. And it doesn't mean, because here's the misunderstanding of architecture as a profession, that it's an aesthetic um, uh, profession. It's a profession of making uh, beautiful things. Well, that's certainly, hopefully, part of um, the drive of the agenda of an architect. But really, fundamentally, what the training of an architecture and the profession of architecture is, is... Uh, in a sense, a voyeur of culture and a voyeur of technology um, where you're dealing with all of these um, uh, cultural uh, contexts. And from those contexts, you're, you're making um, an opinion or a position to make our life better. If there's something about architecture 
that I think virtually every architect carries, and that is an optimism about making our situation, our built environment, and our cultural environment a better place. So with that sort of optimism, that training to think about everything from the poetic to the rational, you know, uh, and understanding how to bring those together into um, an idea of some kind that has optimistic implications for a future, I think uh, your point is spot on that that kind of personality, that kind of drive, that kind of agenda is important for all cities. And there's so much of what I'm really enjoying what you're saying, Tom. Uh, it's tough to go back to my notes and say which one I want to bring because we won't have enough time. But uh, uh, in particular, that uh, the voyeur of culture and technology, share with that what that means to you and, and your, your, uh, your firm. It's not my quote, but a quote okay. I loved, and I don't know who actually, um, again, was the author of it, is that good architecture is the successful intersection of the poetics and the rational. And your training is, in fact, very much um, geared to the poetics of art, the poetics of, of, a, of a creative uh, um, uh, effort of some kind. But you're also trained in the technology of materials, the technology of structure, of uh, systems, and uh, the organization of those and how you bring those together the actual building of those things, the actual understanding of how things are fabricated, how things are assembled, and how things are delivered. It really is um, a, a profession that touches on both the extremes of the poetics of life and the tectonics of life, the rational part, the built part, the structural part. So uh, I, again, a, just a terrific training ground for virtually any uh, endeavor you might have, and an, an important endeavor for um, our culture, our world. It's all, t touch on the uh, the culture, if you will, of Olsen Kundig, and uh, how uh, how it came to be, and and how would you describe it, and how it how it even evolves. Well, that's a, that that just follows really naturally with your initial question and my my sort of comment about the intersection of the poetic and the rational. We're in a way. Uh, when people ask me about the culture here, we're in a way we're kind of a uh, well, we are more of a traditional-based architect uh, in the sense that we expect people to have a poetic side. We expect them to draw. We expect them to think in creative ways and in poetic ways. But we also want them to have the training of the the really heavy lift, the technical heavy lift that an architect traditionally was expected to deliver, which was the technical drawings, the specifications, um, construction administration, um, all of those um, sort of uh, grittier parts of architecture. We don't have a design department. Um, our design department is our, is our entire office and our technical part, um, department is our entitled, in, in, entire uh, office, if that makes sense. The idea being and this is the point, is that if you understand the heavy lift that's required during construction, working with craftspeople, working with existing situations, existing um, uh, um, sustainability strategies, of course, and structural systems and 
all those all those realities. If you understand those and how difficult they are to, to, to deliver, you're going to make better decisions as a designer, as a poet. Um, because as we all know, architecture, some people will say it's an art. I kind of think it's more like a um, you're an artisan in a way because you really are dealing with the balance between the making and the creating. Use the great, terrific word, and I've not heard it yet used in architecture, and that is grit. Yeah. It's a pretty gritty. It can be, and it, well, in a way, well, I don't know if it should be, but there are very gritty. It's like mountain climbing or mountain skiing. Okay. Um, it kind of looks romantic and poetic on, on certain levels, so there's a pretty gritty part um, to it. And in order to have those highs, you really need those tough lows in um, a climbing in the mountains or, or other adventures. It doesn't have to be mountains. And architecture is very similar. Um, I think you are trying to embrace the yin and yang of what you're dealing with. Um, and you need to know, in order to see white, you need to see black. And that's where you have to have to balance those those extremes. And grit, grittiness, is what is one of those one of those extremes. Uh, now we're reaching back a lot. It seems like this uh, our show is becoming quite full circle. Is it the community story? That's another one I've not heard. A community story. Well, architects are in this privileged position to um, make places and make things that actually where people gather, whether it's a single family residence, which is a very intimate sort of experience, or it's more of a community larger gathering place from an, like an arena or, or a large community center, something like that, or a plaza, a, a community plaza. It really is a social um, profession um, at its soul. And that's community. Um, it's a community here in the office. It's a community outside the door in the city. It's the community in the country, and it's a community in the world. And again, architecture is in this, I think, unbelievably privileged position to be able to think about and actually have impact on that sort of onion skin of community, if that makes sense. I don't know if you've quote, quoted this yourself or somebody has said this, but if we just look back to architecture is a social profession as it's at its soul. Have you heard that before? Or that really is uh, original. Uh, well, if I have heard it before, I don't remember where I got it. But <laughs> it just, yeah. I mean, it's just, I think it, I think it's part of, it, it's part of our, uh, it, it, it is, our, it is our profession. I mean, it, it's what we talk about and it's what we have an effect on. Certainly. Yeah, and how, how important is that? Um, since it's she uh, shifted my my paradigm over probably twenty years of following architecture is now that we've established it's a social profession. Is there a, a sense of warmth from the person or the architect that has to be there in order to do? I'll just use say good architecture. Hundred um, percent. Okay. I think. Uh, gosh, I forgot the architect's name. Came up with a which I thought was a in interesting uh, reflection. He said, a building uh, gives back the spirit, the good spirit or the bad spirit of the people that were involved in the project. Now, I'm not sure how much, you know, of that sort of spiritualness I necessarily um, 
wholeheartedly embrace. But I will say, I have noticed that over my 40 years of doing this, that those projects where there's a fantastic spirit of the group, there's a warmth to the group, it's collegial, it's, um, it's, it's, it's not a struggle. Those buildings, for whatever reason, every time you visit them, um, have a sort of a humanity to them, a warmth to them, which I think is really important. And that's where the architect is also, again, in a very privileged position to bring that kind of warmth to the next level of 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 the of the building actually being built there's an somebody also observed this and i totally agree with this is that the building whatever the building is is the physical manifestation of a long conversation with people and communities and groups and colleagues and and craftspeople which is really interesting it's like kind of putting the built building in its rightful place. It's just the physical manifestation of this in, incredible force of community that made it. I'm virtually speechless, and I'm not supposed to be. Yeah, well, this is the modern architect in KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Tom Kundig, principal, owner, and architect at uh, Olson Kundig. For more information, feel free to visit website at olsenkundig.com. Again, that's olsenkundig.com. We're going to talk today uh, briefly about um, Tom's uh, charitable organization of George, and that is the Burke Museum. Uh, the Burke Museum cares for and shares natural and cultural collections so all people can learn, be inspired, generate knowledge, feel joy, and heal. For more information, feel free to visit their website at Burke museum.org that's b-u-r-k-e museum.org tom share with us why the burke museum means uh, means and matters much to you well you can imagine after our conversation for the last uh, 20 30 minutes um this is a museum of of uh, almost a museum of everything and it's an educational museum to um engender uh, uh, kids in particular but also adults curiosity about our existence. It's cultural curiosity. It's scientific curiosity. Um, it's it's uh, everything, what our world, what our life is about. Um, and I was so honored to frankly be invited to work with, um, at that time, the director of uh, the Burke, Julie Stein, who is a hero and a, uh, for me and a force of nature to be able to take what was a pretty enclosed, uh, almost uh, dusty sort of museum on the University of Washington campus and open it up, open it up to the community, open it up to the campus um, and what the Burke's agenda is. And it's a fascinating agenda, uh, both from microscopic parts to cultural artifacts and everything in between. And what that allows you to do, again, as a kid or an adult, you can go into the museum and rather than just being focused on paleontology, there are all the other ologies there. So in your mind, you can make those connections between paleontology and anthropology. And you're working with the research or you're, you're communicating with the researchers and the, and the curators. And maybe there's something 
that happens between these ologies, which is really what an architect does. You know, an architect is dealing with all these ologies, bringing it together into an idea, into an agenda. Uh, and the Burke, to me, carries that very, very spirit. So it's a, it's a completely fascinating building to um, uh, enter and just become immersed into the collection. And that was Julie's agenda from the beginning. Because honestly, when I first started working with them, I'd go back into their storage room and I'd see all these artifacts. And I'd go, well, this is the best part. And she goes, exactly, this is the best part. How do I get the best part, which is the storage of all of these animals and bones and, you know, um, uh, rocks? Uh, and how do we, we uh, uh, how do we uh, open that up? How do we make it transparent? At the same time, protecting them because some of those artifacts are quite fragile. Totally fascinating uh, project and one that I hear uh, that I've... Um, hold near and dear to my heart. Thank you. We've talked about inspiration, uh, grit, evolution, and then out of sequence, but those facets. How much would you put with curiosity and how important do you think curiosity is? I think it's right at the tip top. I think okay. um, it, it, you know, if you run into a situation where there's pessimism or, 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 um, sort of a lack of curiosity, it, it, it isn't what evolves. Back to the architecture, you know, architecture is evolutionary. Well, the only way an evolution or a thoughtfulness happens is, is if you are curious. If you are curious about learning, um, if you are curious about understanding a situation and, um, and then carrying that understanding or that learning to another level of understanding and curiosity, um, that's, I think that's, well, I, I'm pretty sure that's what life is about. Um, you know, a, a well-lived life is a life of uh, expanding curiosity where you're just learning as much as you possibly can in our short period of time here. And would that learned um curiosity that curiosity that um, leads to learning then you give something back to the community um, to the population to the um, to the culture Tom what would you like to share with your audience today that we may not have touched on boy there's not much I think everything we've talked about has been so much part of my life uh, we've talked about adventure we've talked about uh, curiosity we talked about commitment to an optimism um, uh, that we all should share about life, just how lucky we are to be even alive with all our difficulties. We should so sometimes sit back and just realize how lucky could we be to have these wonderful moments with friends, colleagues, family, um, and places, um, and uh, look at the future optimistically um, with with thought, thoughtful optimism, um, that we have a lot to work on and a lot to uh, rethink. But um, what could be more exciting? Tom, it's been a real honor, treasure, pleasure, and uh, as we thrill to to have you on the show today. Thank you, and I hope you consider coming back again as oh, well. Happy to, an honor to be Thank honored you. to be invited, Tom, and and happy to come back whenever whenever it works for you guys. Thank you very much, Tom. 
You've been listening to the Modern Architect Podcast. Our guest today has been Tom Kundig, Principal, Owner, Fellow of the American Institute of Architects, and, of course, Principal Owner of Olson Kundig. For more information, feel free to visit their website at olsenkundig.com. Again, olsenkundig.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, engineer, influencer, or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives. Today's episode is made possible by Swatchbox, the leading sample platform for architects and designers. Swatchbox brings thousands of product samples from the world's leading manufacturers into one platform. Browse materials for inspiration, create custom collections, then request your samples for free with automatic next day or second day shipping. Get started at Swatchbox.com.